And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Hey, how's it going? It's uh, it's going, man. You know, I'm I I have been walking towards this bright shining light that says exit and i'm not sure what's on the other side of it i think just an alley or a street corner or the back of a building but i'm not really sure how to prepare for an exit i heard that you might know a couple things about this is that true i've done it a couple times over the last uh 20 years so yeah did you, a few things. did you end up in an alley or behind a building or anything like that? Or are we talking about a different kind of exit? Uh, it's really more of a roller coaster than anything. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I want to talk all about that, but actually I do want to let everyone know before we do that, that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. We help you build a software team quickly and affordably. That's Matt and I's company. And we... We want to talk to you. You know, Matt, it's hard to build a team of software developers. And if you want to prepare for an exit, I have a feeling that you usually have had some good help along the way. So it takes you, talent. It is, yeah, getting an exit's a, a privilege, not a right. Am I correct? It's a lot of hard work, a lot of preparation, a little bit of luck, and a lot of blood, <laughs> sweat, and tears, man. That that sound the the tone of your voice um, is it is sounded that as if someone knows how tiresome that process might be. Is that a good way to describe it? Well, and as other listeners may remember, we did a, a special startup hustle video uh, about when I sold the company to Stackify, and that was a really cool video. Um, it's like 20 minutes long or something like that. You can find it on YouTube and um, under startup hustle TV, but yeah, it was just kind of cataloged. Well, we'll, we'll just put, we'll put a link to that in the show yeah, notes. Sure. Cataloged what, what happened along the, the process of the exit itself, just kind of some daily video logs and uh, yeah, by the end of it, I definitely looked uh, a few years older and tireder, and uh, I felt like I should have gray hair. Like it's just an exhausting process of of going through the 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 whole process of completing a transaction. Yeah, now and I want to talk all about that. And this is you're you're the expert here, but you know, for those of you listening, a business exit is the selling of ownership in a company to investors or other or another company or entity. And an exit strategy is a plan for the business or a business owner to reduce or liquidate their stake in the business. Now, exits come in a lot of shapes and forms. Sometimes they're to private equity groups. Sometimes they're to other companies. Sometimes, I mean, I would still say an exit in some regards is the IPO because for the founder, the initial shareholders, that's 
a, a changer. Uh, you know, it changes a lot of different stuff. But you know, when it comes to I mean, Matt, did I what did I miss there? Well, and yeah, an exit could be any kind of selling a business, and sometimes it could also be buying business partners out, or you know, uh, great grandpa is. Um, just passed away and now we've got to do something with the estate. I mean, there can be a lot of different reasons and types of, of uh, transactions there. And one person's exit is another person's acquisition. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, and that's because if you're not, then you're just shutting the business down. Now that said, sometimes acquisitions kind of result in that because um, well, well, you know, you mentioned being the founder of Stackify and Stack, and that's uh, was the founder of Stackify, which was acquired by Huntington Beach-based uh, company Netrio, um, in which you know, and like we don't have to get too centered around that, but Stackify essentially becomes a Netrio product at that right. point. Yep, and they have a name, but some of that, like, but the but to give you some context, like the actual business entity of Stackify as was absorbed by Netrio, so there's not. There's one entity there or whatever. And, you know, that's that's essentially what an exit is. Now, you know, when it comes to, so these are like mergers and acquisitions, uh, you know, selling your stake, like you had mentioned to a partner advisor. I think family succession is a good one. Now, uh, the whole uh, the whole legality of, of a corporation, a corporation itself, uh, it doesn't die. It's eternal, meaning like, but people do. And sometimes well, those people own ownership state. Well, and the family succession thing is actually <clears throat> one of the big issues around inheritance taxes, right? So let's say you own a, a family business um, and so-and-so dies. Well, if you have to pay an inherit, you know, uh, the inheritance taxes or the, you know, death tax or whatever you want to call it when somebody dies, potentially you've got to sell the company to pay the tax. Like it literally forces good companies to be sold off just so the taxes can be paid. And that that's one of the downfalls of the the tax structure, the, the way that that works. You can't just pass it down to, you know, the, the children or whatever. You almost have to, you're forced to sell it just so you can pay the, the taxes. And, well, in, the, in some cases, um, you know, and then there have been some changes with some of that. I mean, it depends on what it is and how, but yes. And that's uh you know, another thing too is well, you talk about succession and that if in that form of quote exit, uh, traditionally, uh, businesses don't do well when they go from dad to kid. The, yeah, the generation the the success rate of generational businesses is really low, and that's often attributed to the fact that the kids don't have the same passion that yeah, absolutely, that's absolutely. Okay, so now when we when we talk about an exit, so those are some forms and some whys, and you know we've covered we've covered a lot of that. You know, we're here in, in part forty eight of our series, and we've talked about what is an acquisition. So you can go back and listen to our prior episode in that. We've talked about raising capital, later stages. Maybe sometimes it's, it's time to quit. That was the forty fifth piece. Now, in in this particular case. You know, when it comes to preparing for an exit, now, buddy, I've 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 been uh, I feel like I got to sidecar on some of this, and I chuckle a little bit because this. I, I mean, honestly, I don't think there's really a way that we're gonna. You, okay, theoretically, you would think that this would be a joyous thing 
for a founder? No. No, it's not. <laughs> right. I know. That's why I'm chuckling. I'm like, I'm like sitting no. here. It's like, you think everyone's like, whoa, yeah, it exists. And then they're like, you know, but the people now, that, I've, that I, every, I, I don't think everyone I've ever talked to was like, you know what? It was the, the, it, the whole path up to the actual moment we signed was glorious. No, that's no, it, the part it's, that it's glorious if you're a shareholder. It's a nightmare if you're one of the executives of the company and especially the CEO, CFO, COO, you know, certain positions that have to deal with all this crap, right? Um, because you spend weeks and weeks and weeks having, you know, spending, you know, 50 to 80 plus percentage of your time dealing with um, all the due diligence stuff and talks and this and that and whatever, while still trying to run a company at the same time, right? And the lucky shareholders that make a bunch of money at the end of it, you know, they, they don't really have to do anything. So it's glorious for them. But the executive team that's got to actually get the transaction done, it is an absolute nightmare. Yeah. And, you know, so, well, let's just jump right in. So, okay. The, the due diligence process, Matt, why does due diligence exist? Well, if you're buying something, you want to know what you're getting, right? You want to know, uh, do people like the product? You know, how much people really pay for it? Do they really have customers? Who are the customers? How long have they been a customer, right? You want to see all the bank records, accounting records. I mean, you want to prove what it is that you're selling is what it is, right? Instead of just taking their word for it, you've got to do your due diligence. And take, uh, we were acquired by Netrio, which was, you know, primarily owned by a private equity group. Well, and that private equity group also has other investors, right? So a lot of it is CYA, cover your ass all the way down, right? Like Netro wants to make sure they're covered, that they're doing the right thing, but the private equity group wants to be covered and make sure that their you know, investors are satisfied and, and nobody made some mistake along the way, right? That's going to cause some lawsuits or something like that. They want everything, you know, every rock has to be turned over and, and all that kind of stuff just to make sure everything is what it, what, what they say it is. And you're not buying vaporware. Confirmation is the one word answer, right? Confirmation of yeah. everything. Now, now, but that it's, but as you may have figured out by the long string of things that Matt just laid out, confirmation isn't as simple as just like, Hey, okay, cool. We're good. Now that can exist in different shapes and forms because as you and I talked about, so Matt, you've gone through two exits. It wasn't just the Stackify one. Yeah. You went through one with Venn Solutions in 20, was that 2012? It's 2012, right? Twelve. Yeah, I think uh, 2011. Okay. So, so that said, that process, like you're, they could be vastly different. The, the level of confirmation or the degree of, well, for we could just say scrutiny, um, can be different for different parts of the business. So you have to look at the business as like a 500 piece puzzle. And when they want, they're confirming that the pieces do in fact fit together. Uh, some puzzles are a lot harder to do than others. And then some people are better at doing puzzles maybe. Well, and, and so the first time around I was the chief technology officer and I was involved. I wasn't involved in all the detail work of the, the diligence, you know, our, operations staff and and CFO, you know, dealt with most of it. You know, I had to deal with meetings around our technology and our tech stack and how it worked and, you know, some diligence around the technology, sorry, but I didn't have to deal with all the, 
the diligence around like financials and accounting and stuff where the second time around here I did and and I got the spreadsheet pulled up I could go through the whole list with you it, it's a it's a total nightmare and, and I think um back to your point a, a second ago it really depends on the type of company that's being acquired and maybe the risks or the perceived concerns or risks by the buyer right so maybe the buyer is really concerned about uh, customer churn and so they want to dig really really deep into all the customer history and how much they pay and whatever and they may go really deep in certain topics like that or it could be they're like hey we're trying to figure out how we integrate the companies together and they may also bring in third-party um, consultants to talk about the market positioning and and maybe talk to you know Gartner and Forrester and things like that you know if we buy this company what you know how do we do this how do we go to market I mean, it really depends on the situation and they may go way deeper in some areas than in others, um, partly depending on what their plan is. You know, if they're like, oh, we want to integrate these things together technically, well, they may go way deeper on the technical side to figure out how to integrate them together. Um, where if they're just buying it of like, oh, it's a really profitable business, we're just going to buy it and let it run as is, we don't really care. You know, they may not dig very deep into certain things. So it just kind of depends on the scenarios. And, and in some cases, the requ- there may be a requirement of some third-party validation. You yeah. Know, you, I mean, there's, there's uh, depending on the size of the transaction and who's doing the transaction, like if a publicly traded company is acquiring another publicly traded company, you can pretty much guarantee that there's a third-party, uh, there's, a, there's a long list of third-party audits that are occurring, everything for, it could be compliance, accounting. I mean, dude, it, it's going to go, go on and on and on. Well, and even selling a private company to another private company, there's some sort of um, yeah. SEC approval or whatever it is. I honestly don't remember the exact details. So anything I say is going to be wrong here, but I know at Vin Solutions, we had to do that and we weren't really worried about it being uh, denied. Um, and on the SecFi side, maybe our transaction was small enough that we didn't need it. I don't know. But um, there, there is that even happens on the private transactions. Um, it's it's got to be based on some dollar threshold or something. I don't know what they are, but yeah. And then some of these things too. So all right, you so you've you've had this long pathway of building a business, and with it, you might have taken money from certain people. You may have created a board. You may have created a lot of different things. You may have. Uh, management employee buyouts to consider. You got a whole like the 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 exponential nature of the check marks is gets pretty juicy and big quickly, right? Well, and 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 honestly, it's it's also one of those things where when the company is younger and it's you know maybe, let's say it's not very successful, it, it's not making a lot of money or whatever, it's just kind of flying under the radar. Nobody cares as much either about equity and ownership and all these things, right? But as soon as the company gets really successful or there's talks about an exit, then everybody becomes like sharks around equity and stock options and all these things, right? And, you know, business partners fighting with each other about their equity shares, investors getting involved, whatever, right? But, you know, when that when you're not in that situation, nobody really cares. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it becomes a hot topic all the time because you got a bunch of sharks swimming around trying to get their piece of the the big prize they think is coming. We've talked about that uh, quite a few times in 
uh, it's funny you look at of which, which of the 800 episodes that we've published did we talk about that Matt because now you know I, I say that jokingly because uh, I don't know there I don't know if it was episode number one to eight 108 or 13 and 19 and 57 but, but this is a good example if we were pre- preparing for an exit on our podcast I might need to know that so in a lot of cases, when you're preparing, like you talk about this. Uh, so why is it miserable for a CEO or a COO or a CFO or whatever? Uh, this is a time when you are really get, uh, can end up being tasked with undoing a ball of rubber bands that you may have created a long ass time ago. Well, and as we talk about preparing for an exit, right, you've got the, the early preparation of it. And then you've got the like process of actually doing it. And you know, when you're preparing for it way in advance, a lot of times companies will focus on um, improving their profitability or EBITDA and things like that because they're, you know, they think their valuation is going to be based off of a multiple of EBITDA or something, right? So they're trying to, they may not hire as many people, they may cut some costs, they may do things like that to try and make themselves look better on paper. Um, you know, so there's a lot of different things that may go on when you're preparing for an exit, like kind of way in advance. Um, trying to optimize the business to get it um, in a better financial state so it looks better, right? The amount of debt, all these all these types of things that the business has. Um, but but a lot of it is the the preparation of actually doing the transaction is a whole nother whole nother type of preparation. You have both. Yeah, yeah, and that's and you know that well. There's a lot of usually a lot of lawyers, accountants, consultants, and other people that definitely benefit from that, right? Oh my God, yeah, all people you don't want to talk to, and and that's the hardest thing about all this that people have got to understand is anytime you're, it's just like raising capital. Anytime you're raising capital, I mean that becomes almost like your full time job, and you can't run the business the same way. Like you can't do what you would normally do. And going through a transaction like this, even when you're just dating potential investors, just like you're raising capital, you're going and you're meeting with potential companies that would acquire you and, and building pitch decks and data rooms and all this kind of stuff, doing presentations. Um, at When we sold Vin Solutions, I think we went to California two or three times and met with like over 10 different people. And it was just like, you know, several months of just flying all over the country, having meetings and, and all this stuff. It's just, it's an insane amount of work. And you can guarantee that like more than 50% of your time on a daily basis is spent doing some sort of diligence or meetings or whatever it is. So there's some kind of a, a, a factor that you've got to consider amidst all this stuff going on. First off, you're probably running a somewhat robust business, if not a full, like a full on rocket ship. So there, that's going on. Like Matt, you're saying, Hey, here's half my time going to this. And then the, from a, like a human and a reality component, I mean, there could be a lot of money on the line here. And yeah. let's be realistic about the fact that like that's stressful. Like, because Matt, to the best of my knowledge, those deals that you made weren't fully done until you until you saw a wire transfer into your bank account, at which point yeah. then you have the money. And yeah. until then, here's the thing, like realist and these things fall apart all the time. And yeah, and that's what our next episode's get, about. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And well, so, and- you know, and you, you get, you, well, you get into that and, 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 you know, you also, you, so we were talking about like the past episodes, you talk about people fighting and being sharky about stuff. Like the, here's the thing is when it comes to the human psyche and personality types, every stuff, every personality type, every human, everyone, your worst parts come out when you're under stress. Sure. Yeah. You talk about preparing so, for, so now you get a bunch of stressed, busy people with a bunch of money on the line and you're like, Oh my God. I mean, Matt, really, what was that like? Like it, well, I know in the Vim solutions one, it was a little different because you had a lot more partners stackify. You were, you were the primary owner. I mean, in any case was, is there, you know, we don't have to throw anyone under the bus, but did you see anyone freak out or implode along the well, way? Well, and let, so let's talk about that for a minute because you've got the you've got the run up to it where you're talking about doing a deal and the and eventually the executive team kind of knows you're like oh we're talking you know they're talking to different people and you may need to meet with them right like oh the potential buyer wants to meet the team so the executive team knows and then eventually you get to the point of like getting an LOI and and the deals you know supposed to happen within you know two months or three months or whatever. And then you get to closing and, you know, finally closing the transaction. Right. So all along that process, there's a bunch of other things that happen that end up causing stress points. And so for example, at Stackify, as soon as we announced the deal, our head of sales decided to leave. He's like, eh, I just don't see uh, my position once this merger goes through. So I'm out of here. Right. So now all of a sudden we're, you know, got to frantically figure out, Oh shit. Now, well, well has that going to mess up our deal? Um, you know, now who's going to do that work over the next few months while we're trying to sell the damn company. Right. And then you get into, um, retentions, retention type things and and people being nervous about the deal and trying to figure out, okay, well, if we have an earn out or, or whatever over the next six months, 12 months, I really need Joe on the team. And if Joe leaves the next 12 months, we're screwed and it could cost us millions of dollars because he's super, you know, critical to the team. So then all of a sudden you got to babysit Joe to make sure he doesn't leave between now and, and the time the acquisition closes and then past the acquisition. And, you know, you start, you just run into all these issues of trying to keep everybody on the bus. And a lot of times you've got people that, you know, maybe they're, they're happy working at the company, but then once this gets announced, they start thinking about it. They're like, you know what? I've been happy here, but now seems like a time to consider my options, right? All of a sudden, like, otherwise they may never really thought about it. And you got the same thing once the acquisition closes and all of a sudden they're like, you don't work for Stackify anymore. You work for so-and-so, right? Then again, it it creates those events and moments where people start reconsidering what they're doing today and making a change. And those events, um, you know, inevitably people quit, people leave. We, you know, we, we had that at Secfi. You have a couple people leave for this, a couple people leave for that. They don't see what their job will be at the combined companies. They don't like who their new boss is, whatever it is. You got all this shit you got to deal with. And uh, at the end of the day, right, you want this to be glorious and cash the check and all that, but it's not. Like you're dealing with all this bullshit every day that is just stuff you don't want to deal with. Well, you know, we've mentioned it, you know, a few minutes ago that, sometimes these things fall apart. Yeah. And, you know, in that scenario you mentioned, I mean, if that, if this shit falls apart or if it had, I mean, dude, you're out of, you're, you're, you're out vital people at that. Yeah. Our head of, one of our executives left. Yeah. And, 
<clears throat> well, I mean, and, and that's that's a very common thing. I actually want to talk a little bit more about that because I got some experience in that world too. So, uh, you know, Matt, one thing you should know is that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, you know, in the process of talking to so many people. Yeah, you know, that want to use our services at full scale and go to fullscale.io. If you fill out the getting started page, I'll, I'll, I'll give you access to a resource portal so you can see some of the amazing team members that we have ready to join your team. Now, with that, the team is often a key component of the actual exit. Like if yeah. the team turns into vapor, you might have a different offer. You know, and like yeah. there are key because we've talked about the different types of acquisitions in some cases that those acquisitions are more for the acquiring the team than the product or, or clients. Yeah, I and mean, it depends a little bit, right? I mean, if if like at Stackify, we're being acquired by a private equity group and merging with somebody else. Let's be honest, they're probably OK if we lose a couple people here and there and can merge some responsibilities between the two companies and save some cost, right? So it, it it's interesting because you kind of want you kind of wonder you know how much they want to see a few people leave just so they can optimize the cost and it's like oh we don't need two HR people anymore we really only needed one anyway so man we're really glad that Joe left cuz solved that problem, right? right? I mean you you well, get a little bit it, of that. Yeah. And that and that's what I'm experienced with because you know I've referenced working for uh, you know I, I men like 20 years ago I was a manager in a in a, mu- in a, a retail chain that sold musical instruments and it, they merged so a private equity group bought that company and six others and mushed them all together and like so the idea there is you create a hub and a spoke the uh, the concept is that right. operating 70 locations is only slightly more expensive than operating 40 so you are literally doing an acquisition to intentionally spot yeah. redundancy and then kill it now yep. we talk about the pressure and the the cattiness and the backstabbing and the shark infested waters that can happen when money comes on the line. This is just as bad because you end up with people in like a whole bunch of organizations that no, these are usually smart people. They're like, okay, so I did this at company A and now you have company A, B, C, D, E, and F. And you, if you're smart, you realize there probably aren't going to be seven of you. So yeah. as you mentioned, you get, so you mentioned you get some people that they just bail. They just bail. They're like, you know what? I don't need this. Ain't, ain't no one got time for this. So they move on and then you got, and then you have to go through this process that is like, it's almost like taking people and making them reapply for their own job. Yep. And, <laughs> and, and it's not fun. It's nope. just not fun. And so here's the thing, like, let me, it's because I've been on the other side of this table. So imagine this. All right. So Matt, you've worked for company A for 20 years and you've been a loyal employee. And now here comes this dude. It's like, Matt, tell me what you do here. Why are you important? Why are you valuable? What do you do? What do you like to do? What do you see as your future? And, and honestly, it doesn't, it doesn't land well 
on someone that's been really committed to, you know, these are oftentimes great people, but you got to sit down and sing for your supper again. And, yep. and, and look, culturally, it's just, because here's the thing, you are reapplying for your own job. That is a real thing. That's actually what you are doing there. So in this case, we, this seven companies get mushed together and uh, honestly, dude, 30% of people were then redundant. And that's where you see that, because here's the thing, that's where the profit is because these mushing these companies together, oftentimes they're meddling kind of organizations, you know, like that need this kind of change, but that isn't a good culture. That isn't a good feeling. And this is a really common thing because these kind of large scale acquisitions happen with mergers and acquisitions all the time. And, you know, it's just, it's not, let's just put it this way. It doesn't make coming to work fun every day. Well, for sure, it makes everybody nervous and not just the executive team that, that's working on the deal. It makes the employees nervous too. And But it, but every acquisition is different. You know, when Vin Solutions was acquired by AutoTrader, literally like nothing changed. I mean, they really completely left us alone. They took over like our HR and benefits because we had their insurance and stuff like that. But as far as like our sales team and, and support team and engineering teams, all that kind of stuff, it was all left alone. Now, Netro, when they acquired Stackify, Stackify was much smaller. We only had about 25 employees in um, the U.S., and then we had another 15 or something like that uh, internationally. But it was more of a merger, like where the teams kind of merged together. And it's like, okay, now our support team is going to help support their product. And some of the teams kind of intermix, like the marketing teams. It's like, oh, now we have one marketing team there. They're intermixing. And that, and that of course, has totally different outcomes than the Venn Solutions scenario where it's like, ah, everybody's just going to stay doing what they're doing and it doesn't, doesn't really impact it. And honestly, if you could do it all over again on the sacrifice side, that's, that's really the best way to do it. It's like, just leave us alone at least for a while. A little you bit. Know, a don't little make bit. us assimilate yeah. and, and have, you know, all new bosses and new jobs and new, all this stuff right the same first day. So I have one other thing I wanted to share about. So that, that same company I mentioned had it had some issues and a few years later ended up declaring bankruptcy. Um, now with that, there's a liquidation kind of exit as well. Now, yeah. meaning and not a good liquidation. You look at these like, okay, so Sears, Matt, you used to work there like a yeah. thousand years ago, right? Yes. It's, it's Sears is still out there somewhere, but they are certainly not what they were even when you worked there. And whatever. So when when some of these you okay Kmart would probably is Kmart still around? Do they still have Kmart's? I don't think so. Um, I mean, there might be like five, right? Or, or like the last Blockbuster. There's still a Blockbuster in like Oregon, by the way. Uh, one, it's like a tourist destination. They have a documentary on it on Netflix. It's kind of fun because um, if you need a VHS tape, Matt, that's the place to go. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so, but you, but these are like still exits. So we mentioned exits aren't always being acquired. So in those cases, when these liquidation events come in, like where they're liquid, I don't mean liquidating your equity. I mean, liquidating, closing down units and stuff like that. They're literally people that specialize in this and they come in and they will sit down with the whole team and they're like, so, you know, there's 0% chance that this, that this location will be open in 90 days. Why? Because this company has failed or something like that. And they're yeah. like, they're, it's like, it's like the grim reaper 
showing up and then, and you know, so who has questions and they'll, and I, and I remember hearing this account from this, it's like, well, is so-and-so still our regional manager? And they're like, regional manager is a forward thinking term when it comes to the company. And this particular region has no future. So therefore there are no longer regional managers. And, you know, they're literally telling you like, Hey, look, you don't have a job. You don't have a future. Yeah. There's no path, none of this. And then here's the crazy thing is, and, and literally people get up in the middle of these presentations and just go, huh? Yep. You know, like, cause I mean, yeah, it's tough, mean, man. Some, you're like, Hey, I don't need this and I don't need to deal with it. And then you have this like really like skeleton crew. And it's like, I mean, it's like, it's literally like, you know, like, I mean, it's a very depressing feeling. Um, and, you know, and then another thing too is, you know, you think that Mary works at the store and then she finds another job and she's like, yeah, I'll just go I'll just start right now. I don't give two weeks notice and do a lot of stuff. So it gets, it gets pretty messy. So there's a couple other things let's talk about with preparing for an exit now. And like, you know, basically what we said is, is there's a, there's a, depending on the, on the structure of how these things work is also choosing new leadership. If it, it could be, because because sometimes, all right. So let's just say full scale gets acquired, and whoever right now I'm the I'm the acting CEO at full scale. Now, in my opinion, it probably wouldn't be great for our company if I just was gone tomorrow. So in some of these cases, they may want to transition. They may need to work new people in. And in, okay, so well, it's funny we talked about Better.com, the guy that fired seven nine hundred yes. people on Zoom. Uh, they they let, pushed him out and then brought him back. So, you know, but in some cases, things are toxic. Like, uh, who did Microsoft just acquire? Activision? Yeah. Okay, for like a huge sum. Uh, it's funny. What Oracle, was it Oracle that bought Cerner for 30 yes. million bucks and Microsoft's yes. like, hold my beer and spends like 60 billion on Activision. But Activision has been, okay, they have some toxic things going on in their company with their leadership or whatever, and they may want to oust a leader. So they have to figure out how to either keep people in place for continuity. Cause here's the reality, man. If someone wants to come by full scale and they give us a hundred million bucks and you and I split it, I'm going to wake up that next day and probably think about doing other things than whatever it is that I did today. Well, and, and we didn't talk about that yet, but, but that's part of the problem with this too, is w once you get closer and closer to the money, you start spending more and more time on how to spend it too. <laughs> that yeah. becomes a big distraction as well. Speaking of which, there is a, <laughs> there is a spot in the acquisition video, and I'm pretty sure you were building a supercar was checking out the supercars. You, you, were, you were struggling with what color to get. Yeah. I never did buy one. But we're going to yeah. let people wonder. What, did you say you didn't? <laughs> I didn't buy one. But Damn it, was... it. You killed the mystery. I was literally yeah. about to say, we're not going to let you know whether or not. I mean, Matt, we could have drawn that out for a while. Oh, so. sorry. Yeah, I know. By the way, Matt's also the guy that pops the cork on the champagne on New Year's Eve at like 9.23. So we don't have to stay up so late. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. After he goes to bed, I keep popping the corks in his champagne. So it's all good. Um, all right. So what about telling your employees? Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult thing, right? And getting everybody together. And, and usually it is the worst kept secret. You know, 
usually oh, yeah. the rumor gets gets out <laughs> some way or another and uh it, it's, it's, well, a, it's hard to keep especially doing during diligence because yeah all of a sudden new faces showed up yeah you know it's like why yeah and Pe- right. people talk um, and yeah who are all the weird people so coming your, into how, our office and, what about telling your customers? Yep. You got to tell them too. And um, yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of things you got to do when you actually do the transaction. Um, my favorite of those, by the way, is changing the credit card number in about 73 different places you use a credit card. That's my favorite thing. Um, I'm going to share this and I think it's okay, but I remember during the, your acquisition and, um, I said, Matt, what, what are your current responsibilities? Right now, I'm very overwhelmed changing out payment card numbers. Yeah. Like, you, you, I said, how big is it? And you're like, it's like 70 or 80 places now. Yeah. Look, that might not seem like a big deal, but go do it yourself. It's, it's not really like what most people wake up and they're like, hey, I can't wait to do that. Um, yeah. Okay. So all these things we mentioned, you know, like, look, we we're being really committed to telling the real story of this stuff. So we're, you know, not trying to sound negative about it. This is just a reality. But at the end of it, Matt, I mean, let's, let's end on, uh, let's come up to our approach pattern to ending on a high note here. Um, Cause you know, if it does go well, how does it feel when it's done? You know, it feels a little bit relieving and, you know, we started the episode talking about uh, getting on the roller coaster and it definitely feels like you're on a roller coaster and because it's, it's, it's up and down and, and hurry up and wait, like it's all of those things. And honestly, when it's all done and all the diligence is done, the legal paperwork is signed. It's almost like there's this weird calming effect that happens and uh, you just like hang out and everything is done. You're just waiting for the money to hit the, hit the bank account at that point. You've, you've done all the hard work and it's just like a relief, right? And then the deal closes and then there's a bunch of shit to do because like you got to now I got to change credit card numbers and now I got to meet 27 new coworkers and all the other, other bullshit that goes on. It's just, it's just a lot of work and it's a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think the relief thing, I mean, I sense that with you and I think that that's, well, that's got to come from a number of different things. One being done with a bunch of shit that you oh, yeah. are real excited about doing anyway. Um, you know, Matt, so how, how, how realistic is the, is the, the psychological pressure, uh, especially at, well, at any point along the way, when it comes to knowing that there's a huge amount of money online, not only for you, but for your family, for your investors, oftentimes employees, uh, you know, like, I mean, what, what's the, what's the real, like, give us a real, like, what's that really like? Well, it's for sure really stressful, right? And you know, as you're going through the process that not only yourself, are you getting this money and it's a big deal for, for your own family, but all of your and other shareholders, employees, and, and it's not all it's not all just the money, right? It's also the the opportunity and the change for the employees. You know, talk about you know doing this on a, on a ending on a positive note. I mean, one of the great things on the StackFi side is being able to go to our employees and say, "Look, now we're going to be part of this much bigger thing. That's you know more opportunities for you, more opportunities for growth. You know, they're going to invest in the company. You know, there, there's a lot of positive like 
personal and professional things that could come out of this for all of them, right? It's more job security, more, you know, career advancement, all those sort of things. Um, as a shareholder and an owner, you know, of course it has its other positive benefits. Um, but there's just so much work that goes into it and it's so much stress that goes into it. And you inevitably during these deals, there's always moments where it feels like the whole thing can fall apart. <clears throat> and I know we've got our, our next episode is, is going to talk a lot more about that in detail, but, um, yeah, inevitably there's just a lot of stress and, and you run across different things that could blow the deal up. Like, oh, the director of sales left. Well, what is that going to do? Or you know, we've got this yeah. partner that doesn't like the fact that we're doing the deal and they want to end their contract with us or whatever, right? Or like a, key, a, key, a key client, yeah. a key client getting cold feet and, you know, maybe yeah. not, you know, buying yeah. into it. And, you know, that's, and that's a ma- another thing too, because uh, that's why the diversity of a client list is important because yes, yes. some, some companies um, are fueled primarily. They might have like one mega account. It could oh, be yeah. like half oh, yeah. or more of your revenue. And if for oh, some yeah. reason, you know, one of the things, and, you know, I, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but, you know, it was, we've been pretty open over the years about full scale and people working at Stackify. We don't, don't make a habit of talking about who our full scale clients are, but, you know, Netrio wanted to know that, um, that we weren't going to be in a position to jack up the prices, which right. is fair, yeah. which yes. is fair because they had, you know, 20 people on a team. And, you know, with that, there was a little, and that's just, you know, uh, continuity. Mm-hmm. And I think that as we close this out, like, I think the thing that when I think about preparing for an exit, so you've got, it's almost like you have a couple C's here, there's the confirmation and then the continuity because continuity, I, I, I feel is probably the toughest part of this. Now, I mean, is continuity tougher than the confirmation? Yeah, business continuity is huge, right? And at the end of the day, everybody wants that. Everybody wants the business to continue, you know, as is and keep, you know, the the status quo. And that that continuity is really important. Um, but inevitably, you have employees that leave and have problems, all these things that that interrupt yeah. it. But that's what you want. Well, there's the things you can quo. control, and there's things you can't. You can control some of the confirmation stuff, meaning like you know, like if you've done a great job of having your shit together. Honestly, that shouldn't be remarkably intimidating. It doesn't mean it's not a pain in the butt. Um, but the with the continuity thing, uh, because people aren't always predictable and you can't, I mean, you know, they abolished slavery a long ass time ago, so you can't force someone to no. stay. And, and you know, and, and, and there's components to that. And then, you know, another thing too, and I think that it's important to remember is for a lot of your startups, you may have created small pools of shares and incentives. And, you know, like there was a bunch of people that benefited from the acquisition of Stackify um, because they had been with the company for a long time and they yeah. had vested into some things. And, you know, and, and remember that, that remember that 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 could be as impactful or as major an event for them as it is for you to sell a huge number of shares. So well, in every... Every deal is different, right? And in the Vin Solutions deal, you know, we sold the company for close to $150 million. And so there was a lot of money to spread around. And we we had several people that um, got a million dollars or close to a million dollars at the end of the transaction. Yeah. You know, key employees, you know, our, our guy who was in charge of sales and, you know, you know, different, different people, right? But Podcast we also, Trader also gave out 
uh, retention bonuses to key employees. So, you know, I had a couple of developers on my team that had been with the company the whole time, but they never owned any stock that all of a sudden now got, say, a $100,000 bonus as a retention bonus. Well, that was enough money for them to, you know, buy a house or pay off their house or whatever. Like, it was a huge deal. Like, it was a life-altering amount of money for them, a hundred grand. So that was my point. That was my point. So like that can be a a good thing too, you know, like I'm I'm saying it doesn't, they don't always freak out and scatter, but with that, like there it's, my point is, is it's stressful for them too. So I think the best way to handle any of this and much like Matt said, all deals are different. I always say like all your clients are different. They're like snowflakes. They have different needs, different personalities, all of it, but, but just handle it with empathy, you know, cause, cause it's stressful, like all the way down the line. And if you can find a way to be empathetic, positive about it, and know that you're not getting to the end without getting through all these steps anyway, I think that's maybe the be- one of the better ways to look at it rather than, I don't know, just get up and try to get it done. Well, Matt, we're, uh, we're almost through the series, you know, and, and uh, I, you know, the fun part is, Matt, aren't, don't, don't you have a weekly show coming out soon? Yeah. Yep. Um, I believe I'm the Friday show. Is that right? Coming forward? No. I'm not know. sure. I just show up and talk to this microphone, but I'm, 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 I'm no longer in control of any of these things. Yeah, but I've already started recording them. I'm not sure when they'll air, but I'm super excited to March. be a, a weekly host. You know, it's March, the first weeks of March. So yep. what are you going to do without me, bro? You know, I'm, we're still going to do this. You're not off the hook. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. But you know what? Because I think we already decided it. We, we yeah, I've had a couple of people ask me what's next. I think we're going to talk crypto, NFTs, some other interesting things. But but yeah, so you know, Matt's going to have his own weekly show, which is long overdue. And uh, Matt and Matt are still going to be on. You know, we're going to this. That's where this started, and we're committed to continuing it. You know, honestly, I love doing these series because it's not an interview and a, and that same kind of conversation. I yeah. really enjoy sharing the experience and the and the facts and, and all of that. And, you know, Matt, now that you're in your 40s, it's time to get into that wisdom stage. So That's right. I'm hitting my prime here soon, I think. <laughs> you like how I snuck that in? Mm-hmm. I also tried to sneak podcast co-hosts in, as you were mentioning, all the people that got paid and you're, oh yeah you didn't hear it but i skipped right over said, yeah i think i made it real though when i said it and we broadcast it to the world so anyway matt on to number 49 i'll talk All to right. you soon see you guys startup hustles brought to you by fullscale.io helping you build a software team quickly and affordably make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button then come find us on instagram See you next time.